Y'all good? Well, I'm excited about, number one, the computer class. That's a good thing for the church to be doing, right, is teaching young people and some older people about computers. If you happen to be not into the computer world, this is a good time to get in because these guys know a bunch of stuff, and it's kind of fun being around them when they're teaching. I've been around them listening to them talk. It's sort of fascinating, but that's exciting. Also exciting about the, the tutoring. That's awesome, isn't it? That's really getting, that's taking things up another level, I think. You know, God really wants us to do things to help people in every area of their life, their spiritual life and their natural life. So, amen. And the Tanzania team is back. Let's give them a big hand. We'll look forward to hearing from them whenever they're ready to say something, if they're if they got jet lag, you know, they, uh, all their husbands did really great, uh, except Andy. He didn't do good at all. I mentioned that to his wife, and she actually said he never does. <laughs> so we just had to do a lot of grace, grace to Andy. But uh, he's got his wife back now, and he can get recovered. But it's, we're excited that they made it home. That was an awesome trip. Uh, the Lord did a lot of awesome things. So we're just excited about what the Lord's doing. Isn't the Lord good? I mean, amen. There's a lot more to, 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 to the body of Christ than just coming into a building like this. Amen? This is, a, this is a part of it. We want to see more. I'm just excited about all these different venues that God's given us. Uh, I wanted to share this one word with you that the Lord gave me. Speaking of computers, if you learn how to do computers, you can get you an iPhone and, you know, you can look up stuff on it. Yeah. But if you don't know about computers, it'd be hard to use one because that's really a computer. Anyways, this week, the Lord gave me this word, and He really gave it to me really strong, okay? And so, I want to share it with you, because I believe it applies to all of us, not just me, but I do know the Lord was speaking to me also, and He gave me the word insidious, okay? And this is what the word means. It means working or spreading in a hidden and usually injurious way. Okay, working or spreading in a hidden and usually injurious way. And so the Lord was showing me that's really what the enemy's doing right now in people's lives. He's at work in, in people's lives uh, in a hidden way, okay? In, in other countries, typically, in especially third world countries, the enemy is in your face, right? I mean, he doesn't... But in, in the Western world, the United States and Western Europe countries, the enemy doesn't... He, he sort of slides in the back door because we have... A, Supposedly an enlightened mind, right? Supposedly. But so that's how he operates against us, is he does it very insidiously, okay? Uh, an example of an insidious disease is glaucoma. In other words, that's a disease that if you don't know you have it, you, if, you know, if you're not getting your eyes checked and you get it and you don't know you have it and it goes untreated for a while, one day you just wake up blind, okay? And that's really what the Lord was showing me. The enemy is taking ground in people's lives and their hearts. A little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, and then one day you wake up and he's got a foothold in your life. Amen? And I want to just encourage you in your life about things that are going on in your life, okay? Perhaps there's compromise, little, I'm talking little things, not big things, but little compromises, they're going to add up in your life right now. And that's the enemy's tactic right now he's using on a lot of people. It's, it's just the little things but one day you do wake up and it'd be like the glaucoma and suddenly the enemy has this major stronghold operating in your life. 
and he wants to, the Lord wants to deliver us from that. So let's just pray right now. And, you know, um, if you feel like the Lord spoke to you about something right now, you can just ask the Lord to forgive you and renounce whatever's going on in your life, and the Lord will certainly forgive you, and, and you'll be fine. Father, we just thank you this morning. You said to pray, Lord, uh, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. So we're asking you, I'm asking for every person in this room and their family members that where the enemy is gaining ground in our life, that it would be revealed to us, Lord, and we would repent, Lord, and we would deal with those situations, those circumstances, any, any area of compromise, any area of, of little sin, so to speak. Lord, we want to repent today and be free in the name of the Lord. We just pray that. Everybody say amen. Woo, mercy, Lord. That word did come to me real strong, so I'm taking it personally very seriously. Um, so we've been doing these messages about the cross in the church for, well, since August, actually, is when I first started going down this road. The Lord spoke to me when I was in Argentina real strong uh, about the, the finished work of the cross and how He wants to really release the power of the cross to the church so it's been good for me personally, but so one of the things uh, uh, the scripture he gave me uh, Proverbs nine one. If you'd put that up there, that uh, Lady Wisdom has built and furnished her home. It's supported by these seven uh, columns or seven timbers. Like these are what supports your house. And so th- this is one of the th- one of the ways we can look at this. These are se- seven columns of the cross or seven revelations that Jesus spoke when he was on the cross. And these are like the foundational parts of our life that God really is allowing to be exposed in this time. Because we're in a time where, you know, when Jesus said, when the rains come, when the storms come, not if they'll come. Well, we've been in a time like that in our nation where there's been a lot of difficulty. And what it's done is is exposed our foundations, which is a good thing. It's, a good, it's, it's the mercy of the Lord. The Lord is trying to expose our foundations to us so they can be strengthened and undergirded because the few, you know, in the future when greater storms come, because greater storms will come, uh, we will be more equipped and more prepared to handle anything that comes towards us. God is looking for an overcoming, victorious people. Okay, that's just the way it is. And we are, are really believing that's who we are, Right? And we believe we overcome by the blood of Christ. That's one of the major in our testimony. And not really loving our lives unto death. That's what the Bible says. So we're really asking the Lord to take and repair our foundations. Or add foundations to us that we don't have. That's, this is really the, the thing. And so here's one uh, this morning. that I'm, It's the sixth thing that Jesus said when he was dying on the cross. So each one of the things he said... just if you weren't here, is like a foundation. It's like one of those timbers that your house, your spiritual house, is built upon. And that's when your, ha- your house is going to be tested in the storm, not when everything's good. All right, uh, it's in John 19.30. Uh, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So it is finished is the word that Jesus gave. It's, it's actually not the last thing Jesus said. There's one more thing I think what we could, uh, in, I think the other thing's in Luke, it's, uh, but here he's saying, uh, as he was giving up his spirit, he spoke this. And there was one other thing he spoke just before he died. So there's one more uh, column. 
But if you'll remember, uh, Jesus' first words he ever spoke was when he was 12 years old. His first recorded words in the Bible. He was 12 years old. His family, you know, yearly they would go up to Jerusalem and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and Jesus was there with his family. And his family left and they were gone for, you know, on the road for three days. And they discovered Jesus wasn't with them. And then, of course, they had to go back to Jerusalem, which would be like a three-day. They probably did it in a couple of days. They probably were flying back, you know. Got in a real fast chariot. You know, Jesus was like, where is Jesus? Can you just imagine what his parents felt like? Uh, you know, even though they knew Jesus was the Son of God, I mean, parents are still parents, right? And if your kid's gone, you know, you tend to forget important things at that moment. Uh, so I can just imagine that they were pretty hysterical by the time they, they got back to Jesus and found him in the temple uh, with the uh, rabbis of that day. That's where they found him. And and they, you know, went to him, and this is what he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So that was the first thing he said, I must be about my father's business. And then on the cross, he was saying, it's finished. In other words, everything that he did is finished. I've finished, my, I've finished what I came to do on this earth. It's a completed work. It's a fin- the, you know, we call it the finished work of the cross or the finished work of Christ. Uh, but it's important for us to really capture what he was really trying to, to say you know, to us, that there's also a, a work for us. There's, a, there's something that where, where God is looking for us in this life to finish. It's not really how you start that counts the most, although how you start as a believer is important, like you start by receiving Christ as, as your Lord and Savior. But how you really finish, how you come to the end of your life, is really going to be the thing that's going to count a lot. And the Lord has made provisions for all of us, for each of us, to finish well. Amen? I mean, that's really a part of the foundation of our life, is the ability, the grace to finish our life well, to be able to endure through all the seasons of life and not endure just to barely make it through, not endure just to... to uh, uh, we want to be victorious endurers. We don't want to just be survivors, right? I don't want to just survive this life, right? I mean, we're not called to just survive. We're called to overcome and be victorious. And so the Lord has, has given us the ability through what He did with His life for us in turn to be victorious uh, people who, who really were able to endure, you know, everything. It's... Uh, it's being trustworthy, okay? It's being a trustworthy person. And the Lord wants you and I to be trustworthy. Where He looks at us, that you're a trustworthy person. And so um, we'll just look at that a little bit. Let's look at Hebrews 6.10. Um, how many people have felt like that they've had disappointment on them recently? You just felt disappointed in your life. You feel like God didn't come through. Or you had a dream, you had a vision, you had a word from the Lord and it didn't come. Is anybody besides me having that kind of lifestyle, you know, like, we're, you know, what about this, Lord? You know, we, we are people who the Lord gives us a word on Monday, and if it's not fulfilled by Friday, we're having a crisis of faith, right? Like, what's wrong with God? I, you know, where is He on this deal? That's, well, that's a lot of what we've gone through. But I'll tell you something, the Lord has allowed that. The Lord has allowed dreams, the Lord has allowed visions, the Lord has, has allowed even answer to prayer to be delayed this year. Although, there, is a, there is, really is an anointing for answer to prayer. There really is right now. Let me, I want to tell you this little testimony to really bless you. Uh, Jason Laney was telling me about this, a guy named Jamie McMurray. Anybody know who Jamie McMurray is? He's a race car driver. He won the race last night in Charlotte. Okay? 
Jamie McMurray, last year, at the end of the race season last year, didn't think he was going to have a job this year. Okay, because he wasn't doing good. He wasn't winning. You know, he was just not doing good as a race car driver. But somehow, something happened in Jamie McMurray's life. And he, he, he won the Daytona 500 this year. That's like the, the Super Bowl of racing, if you didn't know that. And he won the Brickyard 400, which is like another major race. And then this race at Charlotte is like a big race. And then he won, one, he won four races this year. And at the, what Jason was saying, the last 20-something laps of the race... Uh, Jamie was saying about what he was going to say, you know, when he got in victory lane. Because at Daytona, he broke down and wept in victory lane. He wept over his victory. And, of course, you know, that was all right with a bunch of the race people because that's cool, you know. But you better not be weeping all the time around that crowd, I can tell you that. They ain't going for no weeping man all the time, you know. <laughs> but they let him off the hook because he was in such a bad state and won. Oh, we can understand. But this is what he said. He talked about this change that happened in his life. It was actually his salvation spirit and the power of prayer. I mean, he prayed and God heard his prayers and he won four races. This is lots of money we're talking about. This guy won. So I, I, that was so encouraging me when I heard that, how God is answering prayers. That's why we did this. We did it. Dean felt something about the prayers. And that if we would just pray right now, God would hear us. So although we've gone through some delays and disappointments, I do believe we're coming into a time where we're going to see prayers answered. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you, to, uh, don't give up praying. Keep praying. We were just feeling, this is off the subject, but we were feeling the fire of the Lord this morning. You know what it was? It was the fire. It was the where God comes down and brings, you know, there's this thing in the Bible called harp and bowl in Revelations. Harp is worship. Bowl is prayers. It's the incense. It's the prayers of the saints that God lit on fire, and it goes up into God's face, the prayers do, and He smells it, and he, it's an aroma to God. It provokes the Father's heart towards us. So I'm, I'm just believing, you know, for answered, answered prayer. Amen? So I want to encourage you to keep praying and keep believing about your dreams and visions, even though we've gone through a time of disappointment and delay. But it is a time to be tested. So let's read this Hebrews six ten through 12. Heck, I just, I'm just encouraging. I'm thinking, you know, we don't even hear about this no more. This is so good. Forget all this, Lord. Anyways, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. That's a very powerful scripture to give people who are, who are serving the Lord. Okay, because most people who serve the Lord go through this like, what's the, you know, sometimes you just go through stuff like, what's the use I mean, I've done all this. I've poured my life out. And what, what has it benefited me? Let's be honest with you. We should feel that way. Okay, because we're not, God is not a, a God who says, you serve me and there's no benefit to, the, to it. That is not how He operates. He wants us to know that if you serve, because it says what in the Scripture, a person, uh, you don't sow without expecting to receive. That's what it says. You don't sow. In other words, you don't pour your life out and whatever God's called you to do, and not to expect to see, receive from God. But there's times that comes when you feel like it's just in vain. You, you don't see the fruit. You don't see anything. You're just, you just feel discouraged in your heart. So I encourage you to give that to people who you see really serving the Lord because they need to hear it. Uh, and so this is what the writer of Hebrews was saying to the, to the people of that time because they were under a great... This book was written when people were under great distress. And there was a lot of discouragement with the people. 
Okay, these are the Jewish believers. This, they were writing to the, to the, the church at Jerusalem later, later on down the road, and they were discouraged. They were wanting to give up. They were thinking about, a lot of them were thinking about leaving the Lord, you know, and, because it was just a bad time. They were being persecuted. And so the whole book was written to help those people, to encourage those people, and to speak life in them. So if, you, if you're really messed up, and feeling discouraged about your walk and about your ministry or whatever God has, get into the book of Hebrews. It's, it's a marvelous book. I mean, you don't, I don't think about it like these people are going through a hard time. There's, you know, angelic stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in that, but it's awesome, you know. You know, seeing the invisible, everything's in there. It's just such a powerful book. And this is what he said in verse 11. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. In other words, we want you to keep going. We don't want you to give up. We believe in God. Believe this. You know, believe that He's going to meet you. It's going to be worth what you've done. That's, that's what they're saying. And do not become sluggish. Do not become sluggish. See, that, that's what happens to us. Okay, when, when we get into this discouragement in our life and, get, and when things don't begin to work, we become sluggish in our heart. We begin to lose passion in our hearts towards the Lord and towards the things of God and towards the, the whole spiritual world. There's a sluggishness, there's a drowsiness that, that comes on people. Uh, but imitate those through faith and patience, inherit the promise. So, whether you know it or not, if you and there's sluggish Christians in this room right now. I'm just going to tell you that. There's, and a lot of us are clever about hiding that. We're good at hiding it. We put out an outward thing, but really on the inside, we're, we're almost like the walking dead, some of us, actually. We're, we're smiling outside, but on the inside, we're dead. We're, we're dying. We've lost something. Well, there's people who see right through that, okay, that we can see that you're sluggish, okay? Whether you're acting like you're sluggish or not, we can see it. Fortunately, the, most of the people who can see it love you and pray for you. Amen? So, but I want to encourage you this morning. God wants us to shake off spiritual, lethargic feelings that are inside of us. And He wants the, us to, to stir up the gift that's in us and allow the life of God to begin to flow in your heart again because this sluggishness will ultimately hurt you because when you're in that state, other things, things of the world, carnal things, uh, not even bad things, just good things that you could put yourself into start giving you life where they shouldn't be. And it will lead you down a path away from the Lord. I, I wanted to mention one of Rick Joyner's most famous messages that he ever gave that I love, love to... Actually, just a statement he made that there needs to be a word of patience movement, right? You know, you've heard of the word of faith. There has to be because it's the, it's the through faith and patience. You know, we sort of forget the patience part. We would like to forget it, right? Like, hey, we need we need our dreams fulfilled. Uh, you know, Lord, that we got. I got a dream. I got a word on Sunday morning. Uh, by Thursday, if it's not fulfilled, come on, Lord. We don't. We want to leave the patience part out. But the Bible didn't. That's the, the, the sorry part. Imagine this with Jesus. Jesus got that word. He gave this word uh, when he was 12 years old. I must be about my father's business. And it was 18 years before he ever his father's business was ever manifested in his life. 18 years he waited before he ever. That was Jesus. And then it was just three years, and it was over with. You know, he had a very short window. It was a pretty powerful short window, though. You know, I think we could all, I think we all would say that we'll trade his three years for our 40 years as far as in ministry. If we could get three years like he got, we would be, we would be doing excellent. 
So the Lord really wants to help us through faith and patience to inherit that what He has for us. Let's look at now. Let's look at First uh, Corinthians seven twenty-five, and don't let this uh, scripture throw you because it doesn't seem like it fits. Uh, now concerning virgins, okay, that's what it seems. But I wanted to, this is something that really spoke to me. Uh, here's Paul, he's speaking, and he says, I have no commandment from the Lord. I have, in other words, God has not given me any revelation on this. God has not spoken to me about this. That's what he was saying. I don't, I don't have anything from the Lord on this. Okay, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in His mercy, has made trustworthy. You see that? In other words, he was saying, even though the Lord hasn't spoken to me, even though the Lord has not given me revelation, the Lord has called me trustworthy. In other words, I have been tried through time. I have passed the test. I've endured. I've, went, I've gone on and on and on with God. And I've endured. And because I have, the Lord has said, you're trustworthy, Paul, so you can make a judgment in this area. And say, so, well, here's what's happening with a lot of people right now. In the body of Christ. A lot of people, whether we know it or not, we're sort of in the balance here for our future. Where the God's going to say, okay, tomorrow things are going to change in the world. There's going to be a time of blessing. There's going to be a time of favor. There's going to be a time. Can, are you one of those who was trustworthy in this past season? Or were you one of those who became sluggish and withdrawn from the Lord in this past season? You see what I'm saying? If you were one of those, because God wants to give battlefield promotions. In fact, I think that's the only kind of promotions He gives, as I can figure. It's like He wants to promote people right now. There's a real hunger from God to raise people up. And uh, one thing that I've learned about how God promotes people is in different seasons, there's different, it takes, requires different things. Like when there's a season of outpouring, God's really moving. God promotes a lot of people during that time. Okay, they, because people just get this down, these downloads and they just get accelerated. But when there's a season of war like we're in now, where it, it's really not like God's really pouring out His Spirit all over the earth in major ways now, it takes a little bit of a different thing to get a promotion, and that thing will be trustworthy. If you're trustworthy, have you been steadfast in the Lord? Have you kept pressing in to God? Okay? And that's what God's looking at to raise you up. Do you see the difference? Well, I believe the Lord's looking to promote people right now. I really do. Would you like to be promoted? Amen. I think we all should. But I want you to put that back up, Cindy. Are you all good? All right, this is what I wanted to point out to you. See, here's the awesome thing about the Lord. Okay? And this this is the way He operates. See, He don't operate like we do. Because here's what we would do. We would just take the book... And just knock the fire somebody. Like, get with it, Dean. What is your problem? And if you don't, I'm, take, I'm coming down on you. But you see, that is not the Lord. Because it says this right here. The Lord in, in His mercy has made me trustworthy. Do you see that? It wasn't something that we have to generate from ourselves. God, see what's happening right now? There's a revelation of mercy being released. And God is saying, I want you to get this mercy because this mercy is what's going to make you trustworthy. It ain't going to be how good a Christian you are. You know, you know, we do have to be intentional to receive it. We do have to make a decision and a choice that we're going to come into this. But it's His mercy, it says it right there. Paul said he didn't say it because he was a brilliant man, because he was great. He said the Lord in His mercy 
has made me trustworthy. And so God, that's what God's saying right now to people. He's saying, I can make you trustworthy if you will allow my mercy into your life. Isn't that good? That's really wonderful. And then let's read 2 Corinthians 4.1. You know, the Lord is good. I love that stuff about the Lord. Every time I get on this track of wanting to get, that, you know, get down on myself and get down on people around me, I forget that ain't, God ain't getting down. You know, he ain't getting down on nobody. He's getting happy and wanting to bless. Uh, I can, this is a powerful scripture in my life. I have a testimony on this scripture. Way back, back in the 80s, sometimes in the 80s, if I was dean, I could tell you the exact day, the hour, the, the, you know, what was happening, you know, what was on the radio, what song was popular, what movie was out. Yeah, what was happening with Israel, you know, who was the president of Israel. He could tell you all that, yeah, you know, such a such. I'm thinking, gosh, Dean, how do you remember that? It's, it's amazing, really. So if you want to remember something, just write it down to date and give it to Dean, he'll remember it for you. <laughs> Anyways, I was in a motel room in, in Philadelphia, and it was cold, it was bitter cold outside, and there was black snow outside. On the side, I wasn't used to that kind of stuff, you know. I was used to snow that falls on the ground, it's white. But up there, because they scrape the roads, it's on the side and it gets nasty. It was just that, and I was working, I was having to work long hours away from my family. Uh, and I was up there, and I had, but I had this calling on my life, okay? I had this desire and this hunger in my life to be a pastor, which I don't know why I ever thought such a crazy thought. <laughs> Like, why, why didn't I just keep doing that? I was making so much better money. It was so much easier. I thought it was hard. But it was, and I can remember sitting in the motel room crying out to the Lord, Lord, why? This thing is never going to happen in my life. I've been going through this for years. And where are you? And just take it away. I was really saying, take it away. Take the calling away from me. Because I can't make it work. And I'm tired of it. Just crying out to the Lord. And the Lord gave me this scripture. This scripture just came to me. Okay, I got the address, and I looked it up. And it says, therefore, since we have this ministry. And I knew the Lord was saying, Byron, you have a ministry. At that moment, he was saying, you have a ministry. And I, for some reason, that brought me comfort. Okay, I don't know why it did, other than the Lord was saying it to me. It made me want to be in the, you know, be in the ministry. As we have what? Received mercy. We do not lose heart. You see that? When we get mercy operating in our life, the things that disappoint us, the things that just makes you want to quit and crawl in a hole somewhere. I hope y'all, I hope I'm not the only one in here that feels that way. You know, it, the mercy keeps, it says it, we don't lose heart because of mercy. Mercy comes and it does something to us. It, it changes our heart. It makes us have courage on the inside. It makes us have stamina on the inside. It makes us want to keep going. Now, let me just tell you this. Everybody can have a bad day, right? We've got to give people a, a grace to have a bad day, we got, even a bad week. We need to give people, when they're, I'm just having a bad week. I ain't feeling it. I'm tired of the Lord this week, you know? Have you ever felt that? I'm just tired of God. I'm tired of church. I'm tired of callings. I'm tired of healing rooms. I'm tired of wellness centers. I'm tired of Father's house. I'm tired of preaching. I'm tired of all of it. Don't turn the TV on and see some conference going on. I'm tired of it. Have you ever felt that? Well, I tell you, I have felt I said, I don't want nothing to do with none of it. Now, that's okay to feel that way. But here's what not okay. 
if that week comes into weeks, and those weeks comes into months, and those months, you see what I'm saying? We can't stay in that state. And what, one of the things that we need in each other's lives is we need people who come after us and challenge us when we're like that. To tell us, what the heck, man? What's your problem? Remind us. You know that old story about the, the, the eagle in the chicken house walking around the ground? That's what happens to us. We start acting like chickens, and we forget we were eagles until somebody throws a T-bone at us. And it reminds us, we're eagles. We don't belong down here in the ground. Yeah. And see, God wants to do that for us today. He wants to remind you, you're an eagle. You're not a chicken. You know, and He does it through mercy. He doesn't do it through fussing at us. He doesn't do it through judging us. He doesn't do it through putting us down. He does it through, look, I understand you're going through a hard day. I had a hard day on the cross, a real bad day, okay? You know? But I got through it. You can get through this. You can finish strong. You don't have to. You don't. You can endure. You can have this steadfastness in you. You can do it. And I've got this thing called mercy. I will pour it all over you. And it will warm your heart. It will cause your heart to come alive towards me again. That's, that's what He wants to do. That's why Jesus hung up there and was able to say, It's finished because He walked in the mercy of God. He knew the Father was merciful. He knew that He wasn't a taskmaster. That's really what the, the Lord really wants to do for people. For all of us this morning. I was glad we had communion today because we want to remember what Jesus went through. And we want to receive mercy today because there's a download of mercy for you. I'm going to tell you that right now. The Bible tells us in Psalms that before God does anything, He releases mercy. I mean, He does nothing. The first thing He throws out in front of Him is mercy. And then when He starts doing it, guess He covers everything in mercy. So we'll never get where we don't need mercy. You know, and we can call on God's mercy and somehow there's a transfer that will happen in your heart. Your heart, where you're losing heart, where you're getting dis- disheartened and, and losing something, suddenly this life will come. Suddenly vision will come back into you. Something will come into you and it will change you and help you to keep going. And I was able to keep going for a long time, at least ten more years after I had that encounter with the Lord in that motel room. At least ten more years, God gave me grace to keep going and keep going and keep going. And that was pretty good. Well, anyways, I wanted to read this story to you. Are we good? I want to read this story to you. I read this several years ago and copied it down. It just so touched me. It came out of a book by a man named, uh, well, Steve Farah called Finishing Strong. Did anybody happen to read that book? It's probably out of print. I don't know, but... I wanted to read this to you because it just so captured my heart uh, back then. It says, all of us know who Billy Graham is, but what about Chuck Templeton? What about Bron Clifford? Have you ever heard of them? Has anybody ever heard of Chuck Templeton and Bron Clifford? Anybody? Marlon has. Donna has because she heard the message already. <laughs> Don, you haven't heard of them? I was depending on You've heard of Templeton. I, I knew Don would heard of one of them. Because I, I said that in the first service. Don has. I know he has. He's heard of everybody. <laughs> There's nothing he doesn't know. He's forgot more stuff than I know. That's true. <laughs> Did you know that they were packing out auditoriums in 1945 when, when Billy Graham first began to preach to large crowds? Okay? All three of these young men rose to prominence in their middle 20s back in the 40s. One seminary president, after hearing Chuck Templeton, a brilliant, dynamic preacher, called him the most gifted, talented young preacher in America. And we've never heard of him. 
the most gifted and talented young preacher in America. None of us have heard of him except Don and Marlon. Donna, and she's cheating. <laughs> Templeton and Graham became very close friends. They started preaching together with the Youth for Christ organization. Most observers thought that Templeton would be the one who would go to the top. One magazine wrote a feature article calling Templeton the Babe Ruth of evangelism. Isn't that something? The Babe Ruth of evangelism. Bron Clifford was another gifted young fireball evangelist. Many believed that Clifford was the most gifted, powerful preacher to come up in the church for many centuries. For hundreds of years, he was considered to be the best and powerful. People lined up for hours to hear him preach. Now, there ain't nobody lining up for two minutes to hear me preach. <laughs> you know? <laughs> When he went to Baylor University to give a discourse, they actually cut the ropes of the bell towers. They didn't want anything to interfere with his preaching. That's pretty, that's at Baylor University. It's powerful, isn't it? Uh, they, uh, for two and a half hours, the students of Baylor sat on the edge of their seats as he gave a dissertation on Christ and the philosopher's stone. Two and a half hours, had them on the edge of their seat. At age 25, Clifford touched more lives, influenced more leaders, and set more attendance records than any clergyman in American history. And you've never heard of him. Isn't that powerful? National leaders vied for his attention. He was tall, and this is why everybody, he was tall, handsome, dashing, intelligent, and sophisticated. I'm not tall, I'm not handsome, I'm not dashing, but I am intelligent, I know that. <laughs> I might act dumb, I might talk dumb, but I'm not smarter than you think I am. I just kind of keep it hidden. I'm not very sophisticated. But anyways, Hollywood tried to cast him in the lead role for the famous movie, The Robe. He seemed to have everything. Graham, Timberland, and Clifford launched out of the starting block like Olympic gold medalists in 1945. Why haven't you heard of Chuck Timberland or Bron Clifford? Why haven't you? And the answer may surprise you. It did me. Listen to this. By 1950, Templeton had left the ministry. He pursued a radio career. He became an announcer and newscaster telling the world he no longer believed Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He became an atheist. By 1950, this future Babe Ruth of preaching was not even in the ball game. Was that Templeton? You were telling me about Marlon? This is why he left. Marlon told me he knew a little bit about why Templeton left the ministry. Templeton was in Sudan. And he saw a mama holding a baby, and the baby, Billy Graham and uh, Templin were together, and they saw the baby die in the mama's arms. And Templin became so enraged at God for letting that baby die that he walked away from the Lord over it. He got very disappointed in God that God didn't do what he thought he should do and walked away from the Lord. That's, that's terrible, isn't it? And Marlon was saying, what's the guy's name? Lee Strobel interviewed him. And uh, he got, this dude, Templeton, got all tore up and started weeping. And, and uh, Strobel actually wanted to show compassion on him, but wouldn't do it for some reason. The Lord checked him. Uh, and, and he said, I miss Jesus. I miss Jesus, what Templeton said. And then suddenly it's like he flipped, flipped that off and just forget him, forget Jesus Christ. It's like his conscience had became seared for a moment, a window of his heart. But he had left the Lord over something that God didn't do that he thought God should do. We need to be careful about that. That's scary. When Marlon was telling me, I got, ooh, mercy, Lord. By 1954, Clifford had lost his family, ministry, and health. Eventually, he lost his life because of addiction to alcohol. 
Financial irresponsibility left his wife and their two Down syndrome's children penniless. The once famous preacher died of cirrhosis of the liver. This is terrible. Man, Lord, mercy. Uh, died of cirrhosis of the liver at the age 35. And I just feel the Lord's heart just broken over that man. He died at age 35 in a rundown hotel on the edge of Amarillo, Texas. He died unwept, not honored, and unsung. Some pastors from Amarillo got together and collected enough money to buy a cheap casket. And they shipped his body back home where he was buried in a pauper cemetery. In 1945, all three young men with extraordinary gifts were preaching for the purpose of the kingdom of God. But within ten years, only one of them was still on track with Christ. In the Christian life, it is not how you start, it's how you finish. A recent survey reported that only one of ten who started ministry at 25 served the Lord until they're 65 years of age. They fall from ministry due to immorality, discouragement, liberal theology, and a love for wealth in the things of the world. It's terrible, isn't it? I believe one of the greatest gifts the Lord's given us is when He said it's finished, is the ability to finish well. I think he's getting, that's a gift. It's a gift of mercy that we could all finish well. This, I read another statistics this morning. It says uh, only 10% of the believers in the United States of America, faith actually transforms their life. In other words, one out of 10 Christians who receive the Lord go on and have a life that's completely transformed by the Lord. Now, that's a sad testimony. That's a sad. Now, I don't know other than other nine. We're not here to decide if they're going to go to heaven or go to, or if they had a true. Probably some of those had more of a mental conversion. You know, mental doesn't work. Oh, it's got to be if your heart. But who knows? We don't, you know, that's not our problem. It's a sad testimony about people who don't finish in their life and people, Christians, who, who the Lord comes in their life and their life is not changing. They don't, and then they go on over every season of their life and they keep pressing into God and keep pressing. And that's what Paul said. I forget what lies behind, but I press into the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that's really where God's called us to right now is to forget, you know, and we could be like this dude, Templeton. We could see some things, and we've seen some things that tore us up and broke our hearts. And we had to make a decision. Am I going to despise God? Or am I going to be lukewarm towards God because He didn't do what we thought He was supposed to do? We thought He had promised He'd do, and He didn't. That's, that's a hard place to be. But I did want to tell you this one other story about Billy Graham that, this will, that I just love this story. Uh, y'all know who Ricky Skaggs is? He's a bluegrass singer. Ricky Skaggs told this story about nine months ago, I think, uh, where he was in... Billy Graham loves Ricky Skaggs' music, Okay. He loves that bluegrass. And so uh, Billy, you know, is in really bad health right now. He's bedridden, basically. And he invited Ricky Skaggs to his house, uh, Billy did, uh, because he loves his music. And, uh, well, Ricky was actually had to, happened to be fasting uh, when he invited to come over for lunch one day. And so he had determined, I understand that Dr. Graham will understand that I'm spiritual and I'm fasting and seeking the Lord if I don't eat with him. I'll just come and sit with him. That was what was in his mind. So when he got there, they were just getting Billy out of the bed because he's bedridden. He gets up for a little while, and as he was sitting there, he was you know, praying about how he was going to tell him about the fasting. And the Lord told him, mm-mm, don't you dare tell that man. You eat, you eat as many hot dogs as he puts before you. They had hot dogs for lunch that day. <laughs> but he sat there, and they had hot dogs. They had ice cream. He ate everything he ate as much as he ate. Ricky ate, breaking his big fast. 
And then, uh, you know, Ricky was conversing with it and said, Billy, what would you like to do? What's, what's in your heart? This, you know, just what's the desires of your heart? And Billy Graham said this. This will just get you. He said, if I just had one more chance to preach the gospel. Just one more chance. And Ricky said, why in the world would you want to do that? You've done it so much. If I could just get one more person saved. One more person. Now, I'm telling you, that's a man that's finishing well. That's a man that's finishing well. Just, if I could just get one more. Can you just think about this? Think about it. Whatever it is that God's given you in your life. When you're at the end of your life, when you can't do it no more. You're a businessman. You can't make the deal. If I could just do one more business deal, I could feed a hundred more kids. Wouldn't you like if you were a businessman who did that? Or if you were a pastor, if I could just get one more time to help the church, to speak to the church, to encourage the church, to, to help the people. Or if you were a worship leader all your life, you loved Jesus. If I could just lead them one more time into the presence of God. If He could just, whatever it is in your life that we could say, Lord, we just want to finish well. We, we just want to end this well. We want through all the things in our life, we just want to get through those hard moments and still love you and still receive from you and not give up and not walk away from you when things didn't work the way they were supposed to work. And that's really what the Lord was saying when He's hung on that cross and was at the very last moments of His life when He said, It's finished. I did it. I finished it. I did it. I did what God put me on this earth to do. And every one of us have been placed on this earth for something. Okay? Every one of us in this room. God put us here for something. And the enemy has tried to steal it from us. And he's tried to beat it out of us. And he's tried to discourage it out of us. He's tried to lie it out of us. He's tried to all those things. You know? But God is saying, listen, I want to give you mercy today. Because I guarantee you, Billy Graham said, the only reason I did what I did was the mercy of the Lord. The only reason I was able to keep going, it was the mercy of the Lord. You know, that was the only reason. Is that what the only reason you was able to keep going, Angel? When somebody killed your husband, was that the only reason you were able to keep going today and get up and worship? Was, was it the mercy of the Lord, Angel? I want to hear you say that. I want to know if that's true. It was the mercy of the Lord. It was the mercy of the Lord that Hannah got up and sang a prophetic song for 40 minutes. That's mercy. That's God putting something in somebody that they can't put in themselves. God is a merciful God. You know, and we're going to go through times, and there are going to be days when we don't feel good about it. There really will be. And there may be a couple days here and there. But thank God for the brothers and sisters that will get around you when you have those moments and say, come on. Or, or, or maybe say nothing. Or maybe just sit there with you. You know, maybe just sit there. Or maybe say, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm there. I'm there with you. I don't know. I, I don't understand this. God really wants to release us. And he really does. He wants to release something in us. He wants to put that mercy in us where it will cause your heart that's grown sluggish and grown tired and grown disappointed. He wants to release that into your heart and cause your heart to come alive again. Okay, because here's the one thing that we had to decide. This is what I decided for my life. I decided I'm not going to be a victim. I am not going to be a victim. I refuse to be a victim. I'm not going to be like the rest of the world. The world is, I'm not going to get pulled down. I'm not going to be defeated. And, and I know the only way I can do that, I know is Him. It's His mercy. It's His grace. It's His love. It's Him. 
But He does it. He does His part if we make the choices. Amen? Ooh, mercy, Lord. Somebody, come help me. Yeah. I keep hearing this song the whole way through the second service. I didn't hear it the first service, but I just kept hearing, Mercy said no. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you slip away. You don't have to be afraid. Mercy said no. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you slip away. You don't have to be afraid. That's the only part I'm hearing, but I'm going to sing it one more time. Mercy said no. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you slip away. You don't have to be afraid. Because mercy said no. So, Lord, we just ask you. We thank you, Lord. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you died on the cross. And your mercy and your love said no. That you are not going to let us just be taken by the enemy. That you are going to stand in that place. That you are going to take all that upon you, Lord God. And that your love and your mercy was poured out on the cross, Lord God, and that we can receive that mercy this morning. We can receive those buckets of mercy and grace and love this morning and that you are welcoming us with your wide open arms, Lord God, and that we can receive that, that you will come and touch us deep inside, Lord God, that you will draw us into your heart, Lord Jesus, and that you will just Set our eyes, Lord, that you, will, that you will give us a new day, a new start, Lord God, and that you will awaken the things in our hearts by your Spirit, Lord God, and that you will just come and hold us, that you are not going to let us go. That is so good. You won't let us go, Lord God, but you'll give us what we need to keep going and to be victorious in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, church. If you somehow got here this morning and you've never received the blood of Christ to cover all your sins and been born again, today's a great day. Today's a great day to do that. I encourage you to come here to this table and receive communion and give your life to Jesus Christ. And He's going to do... This message was for you this morning. I just want you to know that. How many people need mercy in their life? We all do. If you want prayer this morning, after you've taken communion this morning, you can come here. We'll have some prayer people to pray with you, any issues in your life. So uh, I want to invite you now to this half of the room over here to my right, and this half of the room to the left. Just follow on up with your family. You partake and remember Christ's blood and His body that was broken and shed for us. We thank You, Lord, for it. Cover all our sins. You just come forward now and just remember the Lord. Let's remember the Lord's sacrifice here.